Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Lones. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, we're catching up with two racers who both have new crew chiefs in 2023, Bob Taskett and Tony Schumacher. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. We'll be talking nitro funny cars, top fuel dragsters, and all the news that's going on inside the world of NHRA. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car. Going through the finish line stripe, Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the NHRA Insider Podcast. Thanks to those of you who have begun to tune into the show on video, whether it's on NHRA.tv or other avenues where it is being broadcast across some of the different platforms NHRA Drag Racing has covered on. It's been a fun addition to the show. We've certainly uh, enjoyed expanding our audience in that way. For those of you that are listening, as you always have, thanks for keeping on and keeping on with us here at the NHRA Insider. Great show this week. Bob Tasker III and Tony Schumacher. Of course, they both have new crew chiefs, and they kind of traded those crew chiefs, right? Schumacher had Okahara last year working on his car. Now, Okahara is going to be working with Aaron Brooks on Bob Tasker's car, and Mike Neff and John Schaefer went for from Tasca's car over to Schumacher's side of things. So we're going to catch up with them in a few minutes. It's been a uh, it's been a you know busy moving week in the world of NHRA drag racing. We know that some teams have gone down and continued testing as they will. Uh, both of the drivers we're going to talk to are preparing to test, maybe one a little bit more sooner than the other. But the reality of the situation is Gainesville, Florida has been humming over the last several weeks with these teams going down. We've talked to the likes of David Grubnick and others. They were down there at rain, so they actually wanted to go back and finish what they started. Some of the other teams have uh, have scheduled their next sessions or will simply finish their testing week of the NHRA Gator Nationals, which, of course, are coming uh, March 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, or 9, 10, 11, 12, or that entire week, depending on how hardcore, to fan, how hardcore a fan you are. Uh, you might be able to sneak your way in and watch some pro-level testing on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So when we talk about uh, various stories that have come out over the course of this week, we now have Skag Power Equipment been named the official power equipment of NHRA. It's a pretty cool thing that Skag has continued to invest in the sport. We'll talk to Tony Schumacher about that. Mike Guger, as I mentioned in the last show, been named crew chief for Buddy Hull's top fuel team, which is cool. And Doug Foley has enlisted the help of Lance Larson and the Glenn, uh, Glenn Huzzer as well will be on that car when we see those two machines out this year. It is uh, one of those times of the year where... It, the, the silence, if you will, from some of these teams is deceptive because everybody's really got their heads down now. Uh, those teams that have accumulated all their parts are finally doing their, you know, kind of inventory assemblies. Those teams that are waiting on parts are kind of chopping their fingernails a little bit, trying to get themselves prepared for the Gator Nationals. And for as long as this offseason has felt to us, I'm not sure it ever feels that long to the teams because they're they're working every single day to get ready and typically working up until the minute. The trucks get ready to leave their shop and this year head south to Gainesville. Um, you know, when we look at the NHRA schedule this year and, and we look at how the performances tend to lay out, obviously when we go to Pomona first off, it is usually cool and incredibly fast there. You know, Gainesville is in its normal spot. Now, the big kind of interesting point of this early part of the year will be Phoenix because Phoenix is going to fall uh, really about a month and a half later than it typically did. 
Um, you know, Vegas is two weeks behind that in mid-April, which is kind of where we're used to seeing Vegas. But the Phoenix uh, side of the whole program is really what's going to be interesting because um, as fast as that place tends to be, we are there a little bit later. So are we going to see a little bit more heat there? We're going to see a little more temperature. And when we look at other races in the in the past of uh, the last couple of seasons, for instance, when we went to Bristol in the fall, uh, we saw how that went. When we went to a familiar racetrack in very unfamiliar conditions, it turned into a really, really interesting race and turned into a lot of stuff getting blown up as well. Not to say we should see a wild swing in Phoenix, but there is an opportunity there to um, maybe change the way teams operate, which is typically one of the biggest performance races of the year. And for those of you that are still kind of wondering about it, it is still being treated as and talked about and frankly feels like the last time we will go to the racetrack outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Hopefully it's not the case and something changes, but we're going in there with this being kind of the uh, the siren song for that racetrack. Looking around the rest of the schedule, announcements continue to be made about ticket sales opening up for various races uh, all the way through, I believe, Maple Grove now. You can get your tickets. Um, some uh, you know rumors have, uh, some good rumors, I should say, have been bubbling around. Um the biggest one being around Maurice DuPont that I have heard. Now, I don't have any verification of this as of yet, but what we understand, several of us that have kind of heard this, is that Floyd Mayweather has green-lighted uh, Maurice DuPont's you know, process of, of getting a top-fuel team rolling. We will see Maurice apparently a few times this year, not necessarily in his own equipment yet. 2024 would be the time frame to see this new uh, team rollout with all their own stuff. And that is a function of a few different things. One, uh, right now, if you walked into a, any of the race trailer manufacturers and ordered one, you would not see it for the better part of a year. It doesn't matter who's buying it or how much money they have to throw at it. That is simply what the weight is. So the idea of you know starting a team right now from scratch and doing it quickly is non-existent. So the idea that uh, 2024 will roll out this Maurice DuPont led uh, the money team top fuel dragster is what we're hearing. And hopefully over the next few weeks, we get more and more concrete evidence uh, kind of about that. We hear more from Maurice himself, but it's neat that this is still a thing. Uh, it's neat that uh, it seems as though the Pomona experiment experience with Scott Palmer won't be a singular activity. I'm not saying he's going back with Palmer, but I am saying that we should see Maurice back at the racetrack, if not infrequently in 2023, hopefully with a, uh, a full-time operation in 2024. Entry lists are already beginning to fill up for the Gator Nationals. Multiple weeks out, a lot of the teams don't necessarily jump on the entry list this early, but uh, we're looking looking solid already, and it's going to be great as we get closer to the event to really see what we shake out with. I don't think we should be surprised by seeing upwards of 20 dragsters uh, and maybe that many funny cars as well. Some of the smaller teams are electing to skip the Gator Nationals this year, and we'll be hitting races uh, at a different uh, geographic location, different time of the year. But overall, things are shaping up great. Um, we're going to learn from Tony Schumacher and Bob Task of the Third how their operations are coming together. Both of them with the new crew chiefs, as mentioned, but both of them with a lot of new crew members as well. Um, the theme of almost all these shows in the offseason has been how nobody's changed anything. Well, these are finally two guys who have made significant changes from the top on down. So when we come back, we'll have our first guest on this show. Tony Schumacher will be slinging all kinds of good stuff about Skag, about his new team, about his new crew chiefs, and frankly, about what he thinks about anything else that's going on in the world of drag racing. Don't go anywhere. 
All right, everybody, we're back here in the NHRA Insider Podcast. I have my first guest on the show this week. This is a guy who was uh, kind of swimming in big news recently. The addition of a new teammate to the JCM stable with Tim Wilkerson. The addition of SCAG is the official power equipment of the NHRA. And the addition of a couple of crew chiefs. Mr. Tony Schumacher, how you doing, man? Fantastic. Actually, out here in uh, Clarksville, Tennessee, we were at uh, Joe and Kathy Maynard's. Uh, uh, they got a restaurant, a trio <laughs> three stories with a bar on top and it was the grand opening surprise Kathy yesterday uh, man just, just super cool man Pop, popped in for a surprise and uh, getting ready to fly back home so is there any business this guy isn't involved in my goodness restaurants drag racing teams uh, public utilities the guy's got it all well you know the thing is when you come out here the college has a, the Maynard family name on it he, he's he's put the stadium up he just he's a philanthropist to say the least he, he's doing He's doing right by his town, and he's and it shows the people here love him. Well, look, and, and maybe that's a great place to start because, you know, when we talk about doing right by things or just plain old doing things right, we look at JCM, we look at what the team's forming into, and this is a guy who's not just simply here for the sake of being here in the sport of drag racing. Clearly, this is a guy who was building something and building something pretty special. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when, when he started out, partnered with my dad and really – sponsored the car yeah uh, he ultimately had goals i know kathy did for sure he had goals of of owning a team and, and having me as a driver at, at the beginning and i think my dad knew that and they they had spent a lot of time talking about that was the ultimate plan um i think things may have evolved quicker than we expected just because of how everything fell together but I mean, as a driver someone that was out of work for three years yeah you know, like literally working on a deal and, and let me tell you something there's every sport has it you go out and you got to perform you got to you got to seek out sponsors uh it took a long time and it was not and i'm going to tell everyone out there paying your sponsor getters big money it has never been that that has pulled in a big sponsor <laughs> it's, it's a great point it's a great point I'm, I'm so so many people come up you know if you get me money i'll find you a sponsor no you won't you will not it, it, it is going to be, I will be at the right place at the right time, at the right situation. Um, I will have a race car, a team, and and a, a, I will be available, and you will be looking at the exact same time. And that's exactly, you know, Exide Batteries started that way. My dad was flying around with, with uh, the president and said, I'd like to do a race team. And he said, funny, I have the drive. <laughs> and it's just the Army fell into place that way. They were looking. Look, you can even go back to go back to Kenny Bernstein. You know, Bernstein literally stuck his car in front of the Budweiser Brewery to get their attention, and it worked. You go back to Snake and Mongoose; those guys basically forced themselves into the room and got their deal going. So your point is one hundred percent valid. Unless you are willing personally to kind of stick your face involved in this stuff, forget about it. Nobody else is going to care or work as hard for it as you will. Absolutely, you know, and, I, and I'm watching Vandergriff out there. Um, that, that's a good kid, right? Yeah. I, I don't know that much about him, you know what I, but but he's working. You watch him at the PRI show and stuff like that. He's working his tail off. Yeah. And I mean, you know, th there's guys out there that are doing their due diligence to get out there, and and uh, we expect to see him at some point, you know. And but for me, you know, I wasn't on vacation. It was just difficult. And I'll tell you, having the army for 19 years and being, you know, the sole lead recruiter, we recruited 50 percent of the military for for 19 years. And expecting that to just be literally, I was told that's my deal forever. Right. You know, from, and then to have a, it come to a close, I wasn't prepared. 
Turns you know, out, had, yeah, it turns out forever had an expiration date. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. My forever and their forever was totally different. <laughs> but, but I hadn't been out seeking at all. Like, not, I hadn't, we didn't want a name on the car. There was too many names on the car. Yeah. You know, like, so all of a sudden, and I know that sounds weird, but like, they didn't want other stuff taking over their, their, their name. And yeah. so it was, so when it ended, it was like, shoot, I hadn't spoken to anyone at all about it. I hadn't talked to any of the oil companies, any of the, I, we just, we were silent about it. They, they put their name on the car because they wanted to be affiliated with the army. And then when it was over, it was like, well, the army's gone. We don't care. Like, so yeah. I had to go find something unique and, and it became, and, and it actually built itself because it started with, me saying I'm going to do some credit card processing and I have a great idea. I have people that are my friends that are the best in the business at credit card processing. So what I'm going to do is go after huge companies and I, I'm not going to name who I went after, but I said, if I can save you a million dollars and you do a billion dollars in credit cards, a hundred million swipes and, and I save you a million bucks, will you give it back to me? I'll go racing with it because you're already spending it. And since you're spending it, we'll just move it over to advertising instead of just, yeah. you know, just right. And that's what started it. And, and little by little things evolved and we get to new year's Eve and it's a couple of days before me and summer sitting in bed and I'm thinking this would be the best new year's I've ever had. We're going nowhere. We have no plans. I'm going to chill. And I sent Sammy Hagar a text and it said, how's life? <laughs> how's life brother? And he sent a video of the beach by his house, and he goes, "Not bragging, but." And I go, "Son of a," you know. <laughs> I, said, I said, "Seem to be bragging," <laughs> but he goes, "Come on down to the show." So we literally booked tickets and flew down to Cabo, and we went up there. And, and I'm, he's got this Santo tequila, and I'm just sitting up in his lounge pouring tequila. A guy named Mike Elliott is I didn't know yet. He's standing next to me. He thought I was the bartender. And he said, no kidding. This guy had never been to a race in his life. Uh, he says, can you pour me a drink? So I'm, I'm pouring him drinks, pouring me drinks. And his girlfriend looks at Summer and goes, y'all live in Austin? You've got a hundred friends on Facebook that are the same. Get out of here. And I I swear to God, I go, yeah, we do credit card processing. And, and he goes, well, I don't need credit card processing. I I own the largest SCAG distribution center, one of the top two, and uh, I need loans. And I go, okay. So we started working on that, became friends through our Rack Financial, our company. We started putting a loan program together to uh, to help them with what they were looking for. And because Mike was such a good dude, I'm driving through to, to Louisiana. He goes, can you stop at uh, Longview in, in Tyler, Texas, too, and, and do a video for those guys. And I'm like, yeah, man, you're helping me. I yeah, stopped sure. it. I'm sitting on a mower doing a video. Hey, this is Tony Schumacher. When you get to, you know, when you get to wherever the heck we were, Tyler, Texas, man, come and see. So I do that video, and, and then the, the guy that's the head of sales sees that video and says, we need to get a car together. We already do a NASCAR, but, you know, and the year goes by, and I'm thinking nothing's ever going to happen. And then we got to the point where we only needed eight races. And I called them back and said, we need eight races, guys, and I need this. And they said, absolutely. Wow. And this is how quick it happened. They said, we're in. They come do a tour. Second guys do a tour. The, the president, CEO, head of marketing comes and does a tour and says, six hours later after seeing our shop, they said, we're going to vote on it. But the CEO says, but I vote yes. Well, what are the other five going to do? You know, <laughs> right. Like, so we get this done. And then it falls apart. Oh. It falls apart. 
because then they go, here's the eight races we want. And Maynard already had picked five of those. Oh, no. And so Skag's like, well, why do I need to be in Vegas? There's not even grass, you know? And <laughs> little, you know, like you got to think about that. So, yeah. So you go, shoot, man, this is going to be tougher than I thought. And, he's, and you start, you know, the, the, we ultimately we made a, a co car. Yeah. Where it, you couldn't really tell if it was a Maynard car, or you couldn't tell if it was, it was both. And we gave them more races and it worked out. But they were still like, okay, this is new to us. We've never done it. And then Maria, who's the head of marketing and engineering, she's never been to a race and she was kind of the possibly a naysayer. Yeah, sure. She was skeptical. Uber, she was skeptical. Uber skeptical. She's like, you know, put her money somewhere else. She comes to Bristol. And after seeing a car, she's on the phone with the CEO saying, you need to buy a ticket to the next race. This is the greatest thing we've ever done. <laughs> and and, I'm, and this is for sponsors out there that are, they're not sure, you know, well, drag racing, they're only going straight. This is, you know, a, a lady from Mayville, Wisconsin, who builds the best mowers in the world, but that that's what they do. And they've never been to a drag race before, been to dirt track all day long because everyone in there is dirt track in those little towns. She comes to race and she calls. So, uh, so we start planning on Norwalk, Ohio. Okay. And Randy Glady, the, the, and he's going to bring Scott. He's going to bring the CFO. We they get there, and you've been in Norwalk. It's kind of mellow in the morning. Little, you know, we're walking around. It's one hundred and four thousand degrees. <laughs> right. And we're walking around there before we had started cars, and he sees the Skag interactive area, and. And he, and he looks at me and says, so it'd be better if you, instead of having four different cars throughout the year, if you just had one. I said, yeah, it'd be much better. Like, we were the Army car, you know, forces. You yeah. know, and I made him, like, oh, it's just, you want to be known as, as that guy. And he goes, well, we'll do it. We'll do the whole car. He goes, I want to, he goes, I'll buy it if I have to. He goes, I, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So wow, we haven't started the cars yet. We had not made runs yet. It was just... Yeah, it was the calm before the storm, and the guy was already blown away. Yep, and and, and literally that's how it happened. It was, you know, it was insane. So when when he came to it, you know, I'm trying to explain that we put a, we put a team together a little quick. Yeah. We don't all have the new parts and pieces, but this is not how life's going to be. Uh, we're we're going to regroup by the end of the year, and yeah. that's what we did. You know? We once that happened, um, we started thinking, okay, we we're going to have a, a, a budget to race. We need new cars. We need new parts. You can't get new trailers, and it's hard to get new parts. Oh, it's a, a year say, plus, right? It's like a year plus it, to get anything. To get anything. And, yeah. you know, you, you can have a guy that can make a good crank, but he's got to find a guy who makes polish, you know, can polish. It just goes down the line, and everything's behind. So we kind of got cranking on it. We're a little behind now, but, you know, I, I've always been there. We've never failed to make, make it there. Right. We, we may be a week later than everyone else testing because they had their parts last year. Yeah. They got enough stuff, and we, we threw everything in the garbage and started with nothing. But I'd rather throw everything in the garbage and start with nothing than start with a bunch of stuff that's going to set us back a week when we destroy well, it. Yeah, and listen, the, the patchwork thing, as you well know, the patchwork thing doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. Not in, not in drag racing, not anywhere. Unless you're going to be consistent across the board with what you do and what you're working with, you might as well forget about it. It just isn't yeah. going to work. No, we, we we all stood that car up, and and uh, by the way, I, I almost brought that car out safe. I want you to know that I had that thing. Listen, we we made a hero out of you because you look like a hero. The super slow mo, you're leaning into the <laughs> throttle trying to set it down. It's it's insane. It was unbelievable. 
they just come down so fast at the end, you know, and it's like, it, it can be just, you, you blip off that throttle and it just smacks it down. And I knew it. I went around the corner and, and any trace said, no, no, it's straight. And I said, it is not straight. I landed that. I'm telling you right now. Cut in half. And uh, it may look okay, but I, I, I was on the ride. So, but when we went, we took the spare car out and the engine was not in the same place. It wasn't the same car. It wasn't a backup car. It was three cars welded together. And yeah. you know, I was like, at that point, I couldn't drive it because the steering wheel was way back towards me. And, and uh, you know, we need the right stuff. The right and, and, and I respect, I got to say this, I respect the guys that are out there doing it without all the right parts, mm-hmm. you know, without the big budgets because yeah. it is difficult. It is hard to, to make things fit in areas that don't fit, you know, and, and you got to do that to get to the, to get to the start line, put on a show, you know, and, uh, but heck, you know, zip and we got, we got the right guys. Yeah. John Schaefer, you got each guy on that team. They're getting along. They're, they're staying after when they're done working, they're playing a little hockey in the, in the shop. I Good. mean, they just, you know, these guys are in a little dreamland right now. It's like watching the movie miracle form, you know, and <laughs> I love it because you know, they're, they're starting to, they're, they're bonding already and their, and their goals and their hopes and their dreams are, you know, beautiful. They, well, they, yeah. know what they should expect out of this team. And that, that camaraderie deal is super important. We talk about it a lot here with different crew chiefs and stuff, but from your perspective, you've been around the sport long enough and been with enough teams. You know that the ones that are successful, even it sometimes can supersede talent to a degree. If you have a group of people, even if they are not the most elite talented guys if they are a good unit they will succeed in the end and and sometimes they'll outperform more talented people that don't have that relationship yeah a, a thousand percent that happens happens quite a bit man I've, I've been fortunate to be part of some teams that were pretty bonded so you know and and i've been fortunate to be part of teams that at the very end stood there and you know both both sides you know i stood there and and watched uh, the greatest runs in the history on, on both sides i've gotten beat and people always ask me, what, what's the ones you remember the most? I think the ones you remember the most. Obviously, everyone wants to say the run. <laughs> right, right. But, but I, re- I equally remember getting beat by Brandon Bernstein and making, you know, Antron the champ, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so those are – and I remember standing there and watching Antron, and, you know, I remember feeling blessed for him. You know, like it, it was it was a great moment because he had it, – it, those are funny ones because he had driven so well all year long. Yes, he had. And then you get to the end and, and you, you, you burn yourself, you know, you hurt, literally burn his fingers and you're out. And it comes down to me getting beat. And, and truthfully, that has nothing to do with it. That's only the last little, right? Yeah. It, it's all the rounds he won difficultly that put him in the position for that last round to, to be so important. Well, it's, you know, it's like, it's like you're watching a world series. The last, the guy that makes the final out of the world series at the plate is not the guy who lost the world series. Right, it's right, just. It always it's, seems yeah. like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, watching that, watching that football game, uh, you, oh. know, you make a penalty at the end, and you see him with his head down. But yeah. seriously, you know, you, everyone in the world knows it was a BS penalty, and everyone in the world knows that there were a thousand things before that that happened. But you still look at that guy. Yeah, you're right. They're, gonna put, they're putting the camera in his face while he's got his head in his hand. You know. It's an absolute fact. So I want to talk about, you know, expectations this year. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but this idea now that, you know, you knew last year when you guys got going, you knew that 
what you were dealing with, kind of what you were looking at, and you guys literally made the best out of it. I mean, listen, you won a race in Seattle, made another final round, so it wasn't like a total wash of a season. It may not have gone the way you wanted, but you still had something to show for it. But I have a feeling this year coming in with the fresh parts pieces, John Schaefer and 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 Zippy now, the expectation from your personal level has to be higher. Well, it's it's more pressure for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, I never got beat on a whole shot last year because I didn't have a car that was fast enough to get beat on a whole shot. You know, you ever think of it that way? It's a good point. So, like, you know, it didn't really matter. Now, I mean, it's going to be these these guys are good right now. There's ten. There's still ten cars that are bad to the bone. Yeah. And and you know, I've never seen nothing like it, dude. I back in '99, there were ten cars leaving Indy that win the championship, but it was Bernstein. Uh, a model. Well, that's what that's, and I think we're entering so, that. We're entering another one of those periods of time. I, I truly believe that. And I was going to bring this up to you. You beat me to the punch, but I really think we're entering another one of these kind of golden eras of top fuel racing where it is the big names every week and it is no way of knowing who's going to win on Sunday. And that's fantastic. Here's the difference back then, you had Bernstein, several time champ, Amato, several time champ, Selzy, several time champ. You had these champs lined up, Dixon, several time champ. Now, there's only a couple champs, but there's a lot of new people that are equally good. Yeah. You know, which is cool because in the future, you know, I, I'm personally. I know we need new kids, and I know that we, you know, everyone's like, oh, the, you know, the youth. Well, okay, I, I think this, and I'm going to shut up these youngsters for a minute because <laughs> I always say this, man, you know, I, I watch the TV, and they're like, oh, no, no, you need us. We're the young. I go, okay, hang on for a second. You got to look at the ropes, man. The ropes are going to be the old drivers like me and Force have had so many years to build Wilkerson, right? We've been out there for decades signing autographs. That's going to be a line of people. I don't care how good the youth is. No one knows their name yet. They're just – they're young. So take your time, be quiet, stand at the ropes and sign all day because in 10 years you're going to be huge, right? Let that shit happen. Let it roll like that. And I think it's important because us old people, and I'm, I'm up there, right? <laughs> us old people, we, we, we're going to go, we just spend more time kissing, kissing kids. Their kids now have kids. <laughs> They're going to bring them back. You know, I have people come up and go, Oh my God, here's a generational picture of me. I'm like, dude, take that away you're hurting my feelings <laughs> but, but we've, we've committed our lives to this yeah that's the truth right you've been around for a year or two and you're doing good excellent but we've committed our lives to it we've been through crashes we've been on fire we've been broken in half you know there's there's a reason we we uh we come back is because we freaking love that sport and i think that is what draws people in oh it absolutely is it absolutely is and and this idea of you know, when you look at you look at the top twelve cars from last year, and and you can't, I cannot look at those top twelve cars and point at one and say this guy is going to slow down. I can't point at one and say this team's not going to perform better than they did last year. And I can look at the guys that did have good years, the men and women that had good years, and look at them and say there's no reason they shouldn't be able to back that up. So to your point, it's like you know, obviously not everybody can be the in first place, <laughs> but you look at these twelve cars and you think every one of these cars could be in first place. Yeah. And if I was, and, and I don't have a plan, but NHRA having what they have in top fuel, I don't, funny car is probably the same, but having what they have in top fuel, I would be throwing specialty races this particular year just in a random, and I, I'd come up with something. And I, again, I'm, I'm just one dude sitting here thinking about it as we speak, but it's, it's been a long time since you've had the level of talent and cars 
and how close the races are going to be with big money sponsors and guys out there doing it themselves that still run good, right? All this stuff. So come up with something that makes people turn the TV on to see what happened that particular time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, we got our call-outs again, which are great. But listen, I've been I've been loudly internally lobbying for the funny car versus top fuel shootout to happen again because to me that was the all-time greatest specialty race we ever had. I, you know, I think that thing was just so cool back in the day. It was cool until you saw a funny car turn sideways to the left. Because <laughs> you got to remember, they hit the gas first, right? So, yeah. When they when they get out and spin the tires and you know, we're like a little dart jerking through them, so <laughs> good times, man. I remember. I had to tell, tell Tony P. I had a double O two light on him. I think I just left when he left. I just Oof. left off down. You know, that's. I mean, if he has a good light, you have a good light because you just leave <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, hey, let's talk a little bit about funny cars and uh, you know Tim Wilkerson. You have a teammate now. Is Tim's going to be wearing those uh, JCM and Skag colors as well as the Levi Rain Shelf colors this year? But how about a uh, just kind of a really neat thing? And again, we go back to what uh, what JCM Racing's turning into, what Joe and Kathy are doing with this team, and what a great way to round it out with uh, an experienced veteran like Wilkerson. Yeah, and he's he's kind hearted, you know. And I yeah. think that we, last last night we had one of the drivers, one of the future drivers, with us. You know, he, he runs uh, the, the stock car class, and, you know, we're we're going to help teach them. Yeah. You know, and trust me, I'm telling you right now, there's guys out there that run super comp, super gas, super stock, all them that are probably smarter by far at racing than I am. <laughs> you know, because those guys got to know, the ones that win, they know every inch of that racetrack, how tall the lights are, how, you know, yes. everything about them. And, you know, they asked me, they said, give me one thing, if you had to teach people, I said, stage like a machine yeah you know but but that's only one thing you know like there's and people want to put the reaction time and i've said this for 10 years it's all about the lights bullshit you know i mean we can hit the light quick we're real good at that and there's people that are better and there's people consistent and all that driving a car straight yeah our car is a live axle so if you take a stair and you stare it to the left, you put the weight on the weight on the right rear tire. If you stare it to the right, you put the weight on the left rear. The more you do that, the less percentage of tire you have on that car on that ground. And it is very hard to comprehend in your mind, but if you can steer that thing straight, which I can't fathom that my car went straight last year. There wasn't a straight part on that car. I'm telling you right now. Even the air perfect. Everything was there was nothing except my fear of death that kept me going straight. You know, my white knuckles, right? Yeah, but that's but that's you know the, one of the great points and in, in the the things that real hardcore fans understand about the sport is it's all in those subtleties, right? It's all in the it's all in the minutia in drag racing. As loud and as angry as these cars are, when it comes down to it, it is a sport of incredible detail. And to your point you watch cars that wander all over the racetrack and you wonder, well, you don't even have to wonder. You understand why these cars aren't winning rounds. It's a very simple concept, right? It's a simple concept, but the execution is what's difficult. It is incredibly hard to do it. And and I think you can't teach it either. Okay. If you watch someone that's all over the place and you go, Hey, I got an idea. Uh, Go straighter. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I I can tell people that and, and telling them how to do it is also difficult because I'm not exactly sure. I do it. You know, I don't like force. When force was, we had we had a great chat when he was kind of wiggling around there, and people were wondering. I said, you know what the thing is? My opinion, you're so damn good 
and you've done it for so long with the same headers yeah. that when the new headers are making a move, you're doing exactly what the old headers wanted. Yeah. But, but to tell yourself to retrain yourself, and, th and this is important, it, it is harder for a guy like me or John Force or Coletta that has made tens of thousands of laps than it is for a new guy who goes, wow, the thing turned, so I just did this. Yeah, well, it's so, because because they, you guys have developed those that muscle memory. You've developed those instincts. You've developed every every iota of your body has has effectively trained itself as to what to do when A happens. I do B. Well, when all of a sudden when A is different than what it used to be, then B is not going to work anymore. Yeah, Langdon was a, a great example for me. I, you know, if you go back to the beginning uh, and you start looking at pedal contests, I didn't lose them at the beginning ever. Well, later in life, last 10 years, I get smoked. And I started to slow down and watch Langdon. He would stop after the car would leave, smoke the tires, and he'd stop. Just pause. And I'm like, God, how do you do that? So like, you should go. My theory is you're supposed to go burp, burp, and then stop. But he was stopping after the first one. So I forced myself to learn from someone else. And it has done fantastic for me. Like, you know, sometimes you got to realize the car's RPM so much faster. The new blowers are so much better. Yeah. And, and your old way, which worked forever, it ain't going to work no more. And you got to pay attention, you know. And, uh, God, you know, one of the things was great about having Zippy a couple of years ago was that he was a driver. Yeah. He could look at what I was doing and go, have you tried this? And you go, well, shit, I've never had a crew chief that drove that had any talent and could say to me, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like you, you literally said, well, it, it seems like your pedal's out too far. He, he looked at me and he goes, your pedal's out too far. He goes, it looks like you're blipping off the throttle three times on the run. Are you afraid? I go, I don't think I'm afraid. Maybe I'm afraid. That's kind of scary. He goes, I don't know. Let's look. And I get in the car, push the pedal down. He goes, the pedal's too far away. Like you're holding the throttle open with your toes. So anytime there's a little bump, you know, the it's, stupid little things, but that's geez. the difference, you know, and it just a little whoop, little whoops, and it just goes up and down and it makes your foot kind of up and down and you come off the gas a little bit, but you know, that can't be good for the, for the car. No, the motor's going to hate that. <laughs> Eventually it's really going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I want to touch on before I let you go is the fact that uh, you're an Austin, Texas guy, of course, and have been for years, but you spent a lot of your life up there in the greater Chicagoland area, and we're going back there this year, so I'm guessing uh, the ticket requests will be flowing in when we go back to Route 66 this year. Absolutely. Uh, I have people already requesting. No, no big thing. <laughs> I literally ordered Portillo's hot dogs. I have them shipped to the house. They get delivered tomorrow. So, <laughs> They say, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Portillo's. I couldn't care less. I mean, I met the owner once. You can you can order Portillo's hot dogs, a Chicago-style hot dog. They ship them in a box with literally instructions on how to make the perfect. I make them at home, and they're outstanding. So, you all, Portillo's, Mr. Portillo, send them to my house, Austin, Texas. You can look me up. <laughs> and the beefs. So, I am looking forward to going back there. I showed I showed Summer a picture of the, uh, the racetrack, and... And it's it's unlike anything we've seen. You know, it's, yeah. it's a gorgeous stadium. I pray to God we can fill it. Oh yeah. Because after being gone for for long, I sometimes I get nervous that people just forget about it. But I hope we fill it because for Skag Power Equipment, Mayville, Mayville, Wisconsin's that other closest race, and I know that all their employees are already scheduled in buses to come down. Awesome. Uh, 
it, they're going to see it for the first time. We did a throttle whack, you know, it, 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 in their parking lot at, at their picnic. But there's nothing like the first time you see a fuel car. And seeing it in, in Chicago and Joliet, when you do that burnout and it's kind of got nowhere for that air to go. Oh, yeah. You know, and it just hovers <laughs> in that dome. It's pretty badass. Oh, it's totally, it's totally awesome. And the place, like you said, I mean, I have a really good feeling. I know that, uh, you know, just internally we're hearing that uh, the pre-sale of tickets to this event are already flying. So there is, there is already good signs coming that this race is going to be a banger for sure. Excellent. Well, Tony, thank you. Thank you very much for taking some time today. It's always great to catch up with you. I look forward to following along the uh, testing progress as, uh, as you and your new crew with your new parts get out on the racetrack. And uh, what, what became of the spaghetti top fueler that you drove last year? Do you guys still have it tucked in the corner somewhere or is somebody else own that thing now? Shoot, no, I think it's sitting next to the trailer. They walk out and giggle every time they see it. <laughs> hey, man, always good to catch up with you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking some time. All right, see you. When we come back, it'll be time to catch up with Bob Tasker III. Don't go anywhere. And we are back here at the NHRA Insider Podcast. As we move on to our second guest this show, we go to the Nitro Funny Car category and a guy who has made some big headlines over the last week or so, Bob Tasker III, new crew chiefs, and the Mustang getting ready to go testing. Yeah, the boys are rolling as we speak, Brian. They're heading to Gainesville. We're going to run this week and uh, uh, get ready for the Gainesville race. And we're going to come back and test again the week of the race for the NHRA sanctioned test session. Uh, so excited to get out there. And, you know, this is a big test session, This, especially this first one, for you and, and the entire team. You know, as, as much as we talk about teams that are coming back in with the same parts pieces, you do have those same parts and pieces, but kind of getting this unit to uh, gel together and actually do so at the racetrack is important. Yeah, no, absolutely. we got a lot of new guys. Uh, obviously, the big announcement, bringing on Todd Okahara and Aaron Brooks, who, you know, Todd, many people don't know, but Todd's a big reason why I'm back racing. He was uh, instrumental with Eric uh, the late Eric Lane, uh, putting my program together when we came back. Uh, I've always really wanted to work with Todd. I, I got a lot of respect for him, and you know he's got some funny car experience. It's been a few years, so I said that. I just reminded him. I said, Todd, the motor's in front of me, not behind me. Stop <laughs> laughing. Uh, but, you know, Todd, uh, he got a lot of experience out there. Aaron, I've never worked with Aaron um, until, you know, obviously recently. He was at Pomona for our last race, you know, uh, learning some of our strategy. And the more I've gotten to know Aaron and work with Aaron, the more I like Aaron. I mean, I love how he thinks. He's an aggressive guy. And it's exactly what I think this program needs. I mean, the bottom line is we had a great car, great team. But the truth is, when it mattered, the car didn't win. Yeah. And and that's that's just a hot reality. We we didn't do good on cool tracks in the, in the early part of the year. Didn't do good on cool tracks in the late part of the year. <laughs> and, 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 and the bottom line is, the last time I checked, you're going to do good in the last, late part of the year to win the championship. So, so you know, to some degree, I think it was a, a change to my program uh, that needed to happen. Uh, we're going to try not to screw up what we did through the summer. Because yeah. clearly this thing is one of the best cars uh, in, the, in, the, in the world in the, on the hot tracks. And we got a lot of good data on that. Uh, but on the cool tracks where my car needed to pick up, it simply didn't do it. So I, I, I love the chemistry between Todd and Aaron. Uh, I've never really had two real crew chiefs, to be quite frank with you. I, I, right. I had people that made a decision, and if the if the person said paint the car pink, they'd go paint it pink. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it was. And, and in this example, you got two you know strong personalities 
that are going to definitely have a lot of input on the setup, and we'll go from there. What I think is great about both of those guys is that they are both kind of, you know, walk softly, carry big stick guys, right? They don't, um, their results speak for themselves. Aaron Brooks and Toto Kahara are never going to be found in a screaming contest with anybody, but at the same time, historically, they have always had really fast race cars, and like you said, you know, the idea that this is going to be a car that will push when it needs to be pushed, I think is really cool, and I do like this idea of these two guys working together because reputationally, it's great. I'm not sure anybody has worked on as many nitro cars over the last five to ten years as Aaron Brooks. He's had his hands in everything, including that McIntyre family car, which let's not discount yeah. that. I mean, that's a, a great family operation out of Ohio, and he has yeah. really helped them excel. For what they have to work with, that is a very fast car. Yeah, no, you know, it's, you know we've never worked together, and you know, you, you never know if the chemistry is going to be right when you make these decisions. Um, but I, but you know I've gotten incredible texts from from Todd and Aaron separately. They they really have gelled and they bring they bring a great skill set. They, they they bring a great perspective between the two of them. And 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 you're right what you said. I needed some guys with a big stick to go out when it matters and push this car. And and that's exactly what I expect these guys to do. Um, and we'll see. Now, now I'm, I'm laughing. I'm looking at the forecast, Brian. 90 degrees every day this week in Gainesville. So, so I'm not going to have the opportunity to find out how big that stick is um, th- this week anyways uh, with the track kind of probably be in the 120-plus range. But but the truth is it's going to be exciting. I said to these guys, I said, fellas, I want you to know something. I'm excited for you two. Yeah. I'm excited for you too. This is a huge opportunity. I don't know the last time I was this excited about getting in the car with with uh, with the you know with a new group of guys. And uh, we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna you know obviously take our licks along the way. We're gonna learn as we go. But I think we're gonna hit the ground running. And I really think you're gonna see this motocraft PPG Mustang pick up when it needs to. And look, I think it's gonna be kind of fun for these guys too. In that you know as big as the world of professional drag racing is when you get down to the brass tacks it's a pretty small community and a lot of guys have worked together over the years especially guys with a profile like Aaron and Todd have but these two guys haven't and, and they know yeah. certainly know of each other and know of each other's results they've raced each other for years so I think it has to be fun for two guys like in this sense to actually be able to put their heads together with somebody that they de- definitely have no maybe preconceived notions about or haven't heard the rumors or haven't heard the this guy's tough to work with type stuff yeah, and, and the other thing that's been very beneficial, I mean, they brought together an incredibly talented group of guys on this nice. car. So, so you know, you know, it always goes back to the crew. And, you know, Todd brought his, his brother, Scott, on. And, and um, you know, it's going to be good. I, I tell you, I feel, I feel really excited about uh, what we've done, the, 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 you know, the changes that we made. Uh, we got a great baseline. We got all the parts and pieces. Aaron laughed at me and goes, Bob, like, I can't believe how many sets of head you have. I can't, like, I saw the blocks. I'm like, right. are those bad? They're like, no, they're all good. They're like, oh, my God. Like, he goes, you have, you know, the parts and pieces yeah. that I haven't seen since the Morgan Lucas days when he was racing. Yeah. And and he goes, this is going to be fun. And, um, you know, one one run at a time. We're going to test a lot. We got this week. We got the week of the race. Yeah. So, oh, this car will have 20 runs on it before we pull into Friday. 
And that's great. And and listen, like you said, the, the bread and butter of that car last year was the hot rather weather racetracks. And, and effectively, you're going to be able to verify that you guys still have a good handle on that setup okay. this week. So, you know, there's value yeah. in all of it. I want to switch gears a little bit because recently you had an experience that very few drag racers ever get to have, which is hanging out with Formula One drivers. So Ford obviously has announced that they're going to be entering the world of Formula One racing. You were there uh, when the announcement was made. And, and talk a little bit about this and tell the story about you explaining what you drove to uh, to your Formula One now teammate yes yeah, so I, I said to to max um i said you know there's only one person here faster than you and they're looking around right they're saying like, well who's here i said well it's me <laughs> i said um because, well, how fast do you go and and uh you know hey listen it's it was great to be a part of it it's a completely different world brian like like i stood in an event it was like the announcement that nhra was you know gonna go global it was like a gigantic event and it's like this was one team announcing their rap design yeah. for 2023. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my god! Like, like there's five, six hundred people here. There's uh, PR and news from around the world, and we're literally looking at the color of the car for 2023. So <laughs> it was quite a spectacle. Uh, obviously, huge news for Ford uh, to get back involved. It, it, there's a big electrification play because in 2026, it goes to like a 50-50 yeah. uh, engine battery, and Ford is gonna take a big role in the in the EV engineering, and it doesn't actually happen until 2026, so you won't see any Ford logos on the car until then, because it, it takes yeah. that long to to build the technology. But no, it was it was cool. I don't know how many have one races I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to go to, but <laughs> it's a whole nother world, I can tell you. I just, you know, the funny thing is I couldn't believe how big the car was. Like it was wide and it, a Formula One car is a big car in person. Um, I, hey, listen, I, I wouldn't mind getting behind the wheel of one and have a little fun, but um, uh, you won't see me in a Formula One car anytime soon. I can tell you that much. My understanding, and and this comes from Tony Pedragon, he had told me about your experience with with Max Verstappen at that event. But my understanding is, once he kind of fi- once he once he got a picture in his head, he said something like, "Oh, the car that shoots fire out of the exhaust." Yeah, yeah, that that's how they they know what we do. But but anyways, it yeah. was um it was it was a great event. It's exciting to have Ford part of it, and um. You know, great exposure for them. It's going to be great exposure for the U.S. I think yeah. there's three races. They're talking about four races in the U.S. And um, yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun to be part of it. No, it really is, and, and it was a neat uh, neat to be able to have uh, you know some NHRA kind of eyeballs in the room for that that entire experience. And and look, I think if we look at you know what Ford's doing. Uh, on a on a racing level across the board it's pretty impressive i mean you know farley jim farley who runs the company there is is obviously a racer himself and i know you know him very well but you can't tell me that that kind of leadership uh doesn't help the world of of motorsports and especially their involvement whether it's nhra whether it's f1 i mean that comes from the top down oh absolutely i mean jim has brought such a you know a positive impact to motorsports within the company he values the impact that we have you know, emotionally connecting to our to our customers, our fans, and and then how to use motorsports uh, internally in the company. I mean, you can see what they're doing with the 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 electric Cobra Jet Mustang that's yeah. coming back in twenty three. Nice. Uh, they've made a lot of advancements in that engineering, aerodynamics, what they learned with even nitro funny cars, and and how that plays in a big way in the EV world now. So now Jim's been fantastic, and and this is just going to be a great investment for Ford. 
uh, globally. And listen, to kind of keep on the same subject, uh, your dad recently went into a Hall of Fame, correct? Yeah, it was awesome. I tell you, it's the highest honor you can get as a Ford dealer to be inducted into the Ford Hall of Fame. And uh, it was just last week at their top 100 meeting uh, that he got inducted. So it was a great honor, you know, really for our whole family. And my father's is, you know, countless, countless hours that he's dedicated to the company on different committees, you know, whether it's product or uh, dealer relations, et cetera. Um, you know, the task of family and the Ford family, we go way, way back. And it was a great honor to have to see my father get. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a really cool, really cool kind of legacy legacy thing to be involved in for sure. And you know, we switch gears back to kind of the nitro funny car here. And and as you get ready to come into testing, you know, when you everybody's able to kind of do that review, that mental review, and you, you look and you saw obviously trending performance wise, beginning, middle, and end where you were good and where you weren't. But on that people front of it, you know, how how much do you learn year to year? as far as even leadership characteristics within your own team? Like, are there things that you take out of every season and go, okay, I'm going to try to do more of this or less of that when it comes to even the people involved in, in the operation? Yeah, you know, th- th- there is. I mean, I mean, truthfully, I just, I want to focus on driving. Yeah. You know, that's the biggest impact I can have on the team is do my job behind the wheel. I really don't micromanage the crew chiefs. At the end of the day, they get paid the big bucks to go make those decisions. Yep. Uh, there are things that I can bring to the equation like routine and process and yeah. checklists and things that, that I see when I'm out at the car and the crew chiefs are looking at computers. So there'll definitely be some some things that, that I bring to the equation. Uh, but running the team and, and making those final calls, you've got to leave that up to the crew chiefs. Yeah. And, and again, let me focus on, you know, I've always said a driver's got to do three things. we got to leave on time. We got to keep the car in the center of the track, and then we got to stop it, right? Yeah. So, so those three things are, are pretty important, and and I take a lot of pride on car. You know, something that maybe it's a lost art, but car control, like you know, keeping the car in the center of the groove. You know, knowing when to step off the throttle to pedal it. I mean, those are those are things that over time and experience, you can only learn like what three seconds at a clip, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so those, that's where I, I think I I can you know, really help the team on that front and, you know, um, you know, help, help Joe. I mean, there's no question. There's going to be a little bit of time, you know, a lot of new guys on my team. And we yeah, it's progress. Kind of, yeah, it's progress. Find, yeah. Find our own little, little rhythm and routine, but, but we'll get there. We're all experienced. We got a lot of years. There's no rookies on this team and, and we're fully focused on picking up where we left off in 22 and improving. Is it fair to say that this year in Funny Car, during the, the good weather months, whether we're talking early or late season, if you don't have a car that's capable of running 85 or better, that you're at a huge disadvantage? Now, I'm not talking about middle oh, of the summer, but I'm talking about I'm talking about oh, spring and fall. It's it's game over. Like like last year, I don't think I won around the first five races. I mean, that just tells you yeah. what my end of the year was going to look like. Right now, can you fix it? Yeah, I mean, look at what Cruz did in Pomona. I mean, he yeah. he struggled early in the year, and you know, and all of a sudden he made arguably maybe eight of the best runs that have ever been made consecutively in our sport, right? Yeah. So yeah, so 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 you can you can figure it out, but you got to go figure it out. And we we just hadn't been able to do it with with our setup. Uh, we were close. I mean, Kyle yeah. run high eighties a lot. I think we ran more eighty sevens than anybody on the planet, right? <laughs> right. But, but but it was we were in no danger of running eighty three, right? So <laughs> yeah. So so we we have to figure that piece out, and I really think the chemistry of Todd and Aaron um, is we're going to figure that out, and then we're going to we have all the data. We know what we did through the summer, and it's a matter of um, you know just just 
tweaking those adjustments and getting the car to run good in the heat too. You made a really interesting point that I actually hadn't really considered before in that when you exit that cool area of the year to start with, if you don't have a good program together, it's just uh, like the other shoe is going to drop. And I never really thought it, of it that hard. way. So if it, you don't, it, you if, brought, yeah. Yeah, Brian, I tell you, I tell you that like Sonoma, you can get a little taste and you can get a little taste sometimes in Brainerd. But other than that, what are you what are you testing? You're testing yeah. on a hundred plus degree tracks and the difference, the adjustments, I think the average fan doesn't understand that the if you run on a hundred degree track or you run on an 80, 75, 80 degree track, the change that you have to make to the car is monstrous. It's it's a huge move. And and you don't have a lot of opportunity to practice that during the season. Yeah, you just great don't point. Yeah, you don't. So what makes you think you're going to become a rock star when you come out of the summer months and all of a sudden, bang, here's my 83 setup, right? It yeah. just doesn't work that way. So you got to really, even at the demise of the early part of the season, you have to really try, work, and test to find that setup in the first five races and then get through the summer and hopefully it all still works, you know? Yeah, it's great. And I just got two more things I want to hit you up on before I let you get back to work and head down to testing. First is returning to Chicago. I, I basically talked about this every show because I think it is a pretty momentous thing. I, I understand that the pre-sale of tickets is going really well. That's a monstrous racetrack there, and I hope that uh, we are able to fill it. But it's great to be back in that marketplace because it's huge. Yeah, I tell you, Chicago holds a special place in my heart. Um, first four to ever break the three um, you know, into the three second bracket was me in Chicago. Uh, it's an epic track. It's an epic facility. Uh, we have three uh, stores in the market. We have a huge Ford store in the market. And um, we got a lot of employees in that market. They're all so excited to be a part of that track. So uh, I'm thrilled to be going back to Chicago. And the last thing is the Mission Foods Too Fast, Too Tasty program that we have, which will be contested at 12 regular season races. The first one will be at Phoenix, and people who haven't heard about it, the explanation is really simple. The semifinalists from the previous race during qualifying sessions two and three or three and four will effectively have their own race within a race uh, for a purse of, I believe it's 15000 bucks and points. So this is actually something that could have some implications, and as we've been talking about this this conversation here, being aggressive is going to be the way you win money and points during this thing. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great idea. It's going to add a whole bunch of drama to the TV show. It's going to add a whole bunch of drama to the pits. I mean, you're going to be trying to qualify, possibly. You're going to be trying to win a race. You're going to. I mean, there's going to be so much going on on Saturday now. Yeah. Uh, you know, for those four cars. Uh, that's going to add a lot of excitement. So, hey, listen, you just want to be one of those four cars, right? <laughs> that's going to be the goal. That's it. A couple extra bucks in your pocket and maybe some championship points as well. Bob, thanks for taking some time, man. Best of luck on testing this week. It's been fun to catch up with teams as they've either been going or coming back. And, you know, this is that time of the year. It's uh, hope springs eternal for everybody, and I hope you get off on the right foot. Hey, thank you very much, Brian. I look forward to seeing you soon. When, when we come back, I'll close up this episode of the NHRA Insider. Stick with us. And we are back here at the NHRA Insider Podcast. The final segment of the show is we get ready to kind of get one week closer to the NHRA Gator Nationals and what, of course, feels like the longest offseason in drag racing history. We are getting close. And these teams, you can hear it in Bob Tasker's voice. You can hear it in Tony Schumacher's voice. The idea, the excitement, and certainly the anticipation of actually getting on the racetrack is a big deal. 
Many teams, as we've heard over the last couple of weeks, are testing twice this offseason, and there is a good handful they're only going to test once. Caps told us that he's only going to run the pre-race test session, but the likes of the Colettas have been out. Obviously, the Force cars have been out and others, so it's kind of fun to hear these results trickle out of Gainesville, Florida, where everybody has been hitting it very hard. There were some rumors of teams potentially going out west to test at places like Las Vegas, but it does seem that everybody has gravitated to Gainesville, which only really makes sense because the first race will be contested there anyway. We'll be back next week with more guests and more inside scoops here in the world of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. We're getting close, folks. The Amulet Oil NHRA Gator Nationals are on the way, and day by day we get one more. Di- we get one day closer to the Baby Gators as well, the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series event that leads us into that pre-race test session at Gainesville. You can check out NHRA.com for all the latest breaking news around the sport. New names, new sponsors, new drivers, and a whole bunch of big fun is on the way. Thanks for watching. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back again next week with another episode of the NHRA Insider.